My, my take on this issue, um, I, you know, I'm, I have a more uh, specific concerns, and you know, I'm bringing the historical perspective. Uh, and in fact, we're uh, our clinic is now in the process of uh, intervening in a case before uh, the Supreme Court dealing with the right to vote to for non-resident Canadian citizens. And so, some of the arguments I'm making there is similar to the argument I'm making here today which is that we need to look at the history of Canada when it comes to the right to vote. And of course, historically, um, you know, there, through very uh, racist, uh, overtly racist laws and policies, um, the Canadian government and a number of the, the provinces uh, had explicitly denied the right to vote uh, for members of many different racialized groups, including, uh, but not limited to, indigenous people, uh, Chinese Canadians, Japanese Canadians, and so on. In fact, the disenfranchisement of Chinese Canadians started with our first prime minister, uh, Sir John McDonald. Uh, who introduced an election law in 1885, uh, which uh, ex expressly de deprived uh, persons from the quote-unquote Mongolian and Chinese race uh, of the right to vote because, according to him, uh, they had no British instincts or no British feelings or aspirations. And Chinese Canadians did not gain the right to vote or regain the right to vote until 1947. And of course, the indigenous people did not have the right to vote until 1960. So, and you know, you may recall in 2015, the election, um, there was uh, 46 uh, quote unquote visible minority MPs uh, who were elected to the Canadian parliament. Um, and some media call it watershed moment in our history. Others describe it uh, as record-breaking, a victory for Canada's uh, multiculturalism, as if we, the people of color, have finally arrived. Uh, yet in reality, out of the total of 338 seats, uh, the politicians from the various racialized groups made up uh, just over 13% of the parliament, uh, when the population of, of the so-called visible minority in Canada today is around 19%. And uh, the largest three groups are South Asian, Chinese, and Blacks, who made up of 61% of all the communities of colors. And Trudeau then appointed his cabinet, saying that he has chosen a group that looks like Canada. Um, of course, he neglected to mention that apart from, I think, four South Asian uh, cabinet ministers and maybe a West Asian cabinet ministers, there are no other racialized groups uh, represented uh, in the cabinet. Um, so when we're talking about the electoral reform today, for myself, and when I consider which system of election uh, uh, would be best for our democracy, uh, I have two questions in mind, and this is my own personal view. First of all, which electoral system will be able to best engage the marginalized groups, including racialized communities, uh, new Canadians, uh, in order to ensure their full participation in the democratic process? And my second question is, regardless of the process that we chose, what do we need to do to make our political bodies more reflective of the racial diversity of Canada? And so I use these two questions to guide me in my reading of the report, and I actually did read up to 155 pages when I was traveling between Ottawa and Toronto yesterday. And I have to say that I'm a little bit disappointed. You know, the special committees had 
uh, did make some uh, passing references uh, to some experts, and you know they didn't name the experts. Like you know, some experts were saying that you know we have to pay special attention uh, when we choose the reform. We have to make sure that certain groups, like women, racialized groups, uh, uh, people with disabilities, are not being disadvantaged. Um, you know, they made that passing remark, but there is no specific recommendation or even an attempt of coming up with any recommendation to address the issue, particularly for uh, racialized communities. And this is in contrast with the committee's report uh, and treatment of some of the other uh, underrepresented groups or groups that are currently not as engaged in the political process as they should, including the indigenous peoples, uh, students, youth, people with disabilities, women. There was some kind of a specific, uh, you know, suggestions or you know quotes from experts on how to increase their democratic participation, and uh, and particularly in the case of indigenous people and women which of course uh, deal with their political representation as well. So I guess my point is, you know, I look forward to this discussion um, and, um, and the fact that these issues are not even being addressed uh, fully is one of the key reasons why we need to talk about electoral reform today. Thank you.